Welcome to Put Up Your Spooks, the horror podcast where your ghost hosts, Jeff and Ryan, clash over the best of 80s and 90s television. Joining us today, Ed Erlach and Drew Weary. Gentlemen, I demand you put up your spooks. This week's theme. Acting! Brilliant! The episodes we will be discussing this evening are Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. And Tales from the Crypt. Top Billing. Well, I love The Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. It's not one of the best episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, but it holds a special place in my heart because Irish mythology is my favorite mythology. The episode begins in a magical forest where a magical leprechaun is protecting a boy from a magical... Too much magic. Goblin. The boy says, help me. Help me. You gotta save me. This goblin's gonna get me. And then the leprechaun's like, cool, man. Take this oath. The fairy ring that dance and sing. The mortal bloom a dying thing. Now turn me into spirit bright. And leave behind the human right. So he does. And it's all cool. And then they say, cut. It's all a play. Jake is the boy who desperately wants to be an actor. There's a huge running theme through both of these episodes, which is main characters who desperately want to be actors and everyone around them telling them that they're awesome at acting, but in reality, they're really shitty at acting. Uh, no one tells John Lovitz he's good at acting. <laughs> Quite the opposite. No, they do. His agent, everyone's like, yeah, you're a good actor, but you don't got the face. Oh, that's fair. So he goes backstage where the stage manager tells him, oh, you're doing a great job, Jakey, because he's, he's real low on confidence. And it turns out that Aaron, the main character of the play, the leprechaun, has a special herbal tea that gives him his creativity. Creativity. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Jake thinks, well, gee, maybe that can help me. So the stage manager gives him the list of ingredients and sends him off to the special herbal greenhouse where he meets a delightful little fellow named Sean O'Shaney who looks at his list of ingredients and says, what the fuck? You get out of my shop. I ought to murderize you. And so he chases Jake away. And they do another rehearsal, and Jake says, Help! Help! you got to save me from the goblin! And he says, Okay, do the oath and speak as I speak. And he drinks the special drink, but this time when he does it, his voice changes. It gets real deep and weird and creepy. And he's like, No! I don't like this! What's happening? Keep going on! Don't stop now! You run to something! No! Stop! Stop it! It's a little weird in, in retrospect when you're not a kid. So they stop again, and uh, he realizes, hey, this is, something's weird about this. i got to go talk to Sean again. So he goes back to the greenhouse and somehow convinces Sean O'Shaney that he's not uh, the evil one responsible for actually gathering these herbs. So he goes, I'm going to go and check out this play because i got a bad feeling about this Aaron character you're talking about. He takes him back to the theater for the final dress rehearsal. They do the thing. They the fairy the ring does dance and sing, blah, blah, blah. His voice changes again. Sean O'Shaney knows what's going on, so he rigs some set piece to fall and almost kill everybody. When Jake goes backstage again, Sean grabs him and says, this is really not good. Things are not going well for you. And he's like, no, it's just a play or whatever. Look at your ears, and lad. He's like, and then Sean's like, oh, just a play, is it? 
Yeah, look at your ears. And Jake's got pointy ears, which I don't know how that transitions you into a frog, but we'll get to that. So then they hatch a plan. They go down to Aaron's dressing room. They pull the fire alarm so that he'll leave so they can check out his place. Aaron's got this creepy shrine to Jake with a photo and a piece of his clothing, and he's chanting and doing all this weird stuff. There's yeah, a little it really frog. looks bad There's for Aaron. It looks real bad for Aaron. There's a frog in a jar, which Jake thinks is his pet frog, but Sean explains is a changeling, which is what Jake is about to become. So they steal some herbs. Then Aaron comes back in the room, almost catches them. He takes off his fake ears and his shoes, and he's all fucked up and crazy. He's got big weird ears. He's got a super hairy back. He keeps chanting, they escape, and Sean tells him that is a banshee. I was a little disappointed, because in my memory he was a fur derrick, but... And he sucks souls every seven years, and that's what's happening to Jake. So, they mix up some herbs that they're going to feed to Aaron. He makes Jake drink spiders, which is pretty gross. Because rule number one is you must be fearless. Rule number one, you must be fearless. Maybe that's why he made him drink spiders. That's a good point, just to prove his fearlessness. I always just assumed they were some kind of magical property containing spiders. It's opening night. Everyone's loving it. The Act 1 intermission happens. He gets a little pep talk from Sean. Make him drink this tea. Hold his gaze. Hold his gaze was rule number three. What was rule number two? Rule number one, be fearless. Rule number two, give him a taste of his own medicine. Rule number three, don't take your eyes off him. You must spellbind him. Lock your eyes with his and turn his own spell against him. He gives him the three rules. Jake goes back out on stage, performs his task admirably. Aaron knows what's up because he drank the juice. And he says, who you been talking to, boy? And then he throws the thing, which takes Jake's gaze away. And then when he looks back, Aaron's behind him and he's a big crazy monster. Uh, and he turns Jake into a frog. And the audience, the stagehands are like, we don't know what's going on, but just roll with it. The audience is eating it up every second, even though it makes no narrative sense. Then Sean O'Shaney shows up in full leprechaun gear. A character who, for the audience in the theater, has not appeared ne- Never seen before, play. no. But it's a play about leprechauns, and he's clearly yeah. playing up the leprechaun When you see a little person appear in a tree in yeah. full leprechaun you just regalia. Assume. Yeah. So he knows Aaron by his true name, Gort. They've had dealings in the past. Sean owns Gort's tail and has been keeping it all these years. And so he knows the rule that a demon of fairy cannot refuse a trade. And yours be mine and mine be yours is all it takes. Yours be mine and mine be yours was all it took. So he says those magic words, trades the tail back to Aaron, who is destroyed because he never got Jake's soul. And Jake is restored to boyhood. And the play closes to rave reviews. And that one, Pop Pop, was for you. And Pop Pop was the kid in the play, right? No. That's how I took it because it was the same hat. Let's. Well, it was yeah. the same hat. Let's talk about the 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 narrative device, the wraparound with the Midnight Society. It was very confusing because it starts with the main kid saying, "We have a. You all know we have a strange situation tonight. The kid that's supposed to be speaking tonight is not here, so we're going to turn it over to this other kid." No, Frank was there. But because of unusual circumstances, yeah, he has agreed. The other kid's grandfather died. To oh, the he jumped in. Oh, I thought something I had see. happened to Frank. I didn't know the name of the different episode. characters. So, but they didn't necessarily have to say all that stuff about Frank giving up the night. He could have just been like, "I'm telling the story tonight. My grandfather died." I don't really know why they bothered to do that. 
Frank usually tells the story? No, he was just slotted to tell the story on that particular night. And so is there is there an actual order to but the because program? Because Eric, like, I don't know if, if I mean, you actually, actually, if you actually watch the episodes in order, I don't think they would mm. just, I don't think they would rotate. Because some of the actors only got a couple of stories. Because I'm wondering, was there a kid who was like heavy into this show that was like, oh, I can't wait, it's Frank's turn to tell a story next week. <laughs> no, it and never, then we got this kid. never would have happened. Hey, Ed, hey, Drew, what did you guys think of the tale of Jake and the Leprechaun? I, too, like Irish, uh, whatchamacallit, mythology and folklore and stuff. Um, it bothered me that he was a banshee, though, because yeah. a banshee is a woman. Should've None of it. You sexist. A, a banshee <laughs> is a spirit that wails to, uh, yep. it's a to pretend female spirit, a, a death. Uh, it's not an ogre with a tail, and the yeah. tail gets severed, and it has yeah. to get its tail back. Yeah. A changeling is not a, is changeling, not a person that changes. Right, it's correct. a fairy also that correct. is... Changeling However, is very big. if you are a nine-year-old kid watching this on a Saturday night, you're in. You're like, oh, I guess he's turning into a changeling. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's actually a really good entry into Irish myth if you're just a little kid. And if you're excited about it, as I was, then you can poke further and learn the that, truism. That it was all wrong? It was all wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's not how me. glamours work? I don't know, dude. It was uh, pretty insulting. <laughs> Irish mythology. <laughs> Hold on. I think Sean O'Shaney... I think he's supposed to be Irish. He is supposed to be Irish. Of course he's supposed to be Irish. <laughs> Wait, yes, Sean O'Shaney was... Sean O'Shaney. Sean O'Shaney Ru- was Migosh. Ha, yeah. ha, okay. ha, ha. Rule it number was, one. It was Migosh from Willow, the little guy. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know Willow well enough, even though I own it. Willow's him. best friend, Migosh. That's cool. i got to watch Willow again. Speaking of Sean O'Shaney, uh, a.k.a. Migosh, I, I was a little uh, worried when they brought the little person on to fill the leprechaun role. The magic fairy character. But I thought, they, you know, it was not exploitive. Uh, no, he was good. He, he was, was a heroic character with agency. Yeah, he's awesome. He was very uh, he's animate, my favorite part too. Like he was very, like, all over the place. He, he was, was sw- kind of swashbuckling. Yeah, he did yeah. a good job. He was, he was cool. pretty awesome. He was a little hot with the hair. Oh, yeah. He had no, the uh, Fabio hair. I'm used to curly-haired Migosh, but this was like romance novel Migosh <laughs> or something. Why did he live in a shack in a greenhouse? Though? I think that was just He was a leprechaun. He was, was a little herb shed. It was where he did his mixing. He was a leprechaun when the need arose. Yeah. It was never established mm. that that was his full-time house. There was no had, bed in there. There was. There was all kinds of living material in there. there I never saw no bed. Yeah, there was. he had he kept a pipe in Maybe there. Maybe he sleeps in a... Of course he keeps his pipe in his herb shed. Duh. <laughs> it was all right. It was charming. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk Tales from the Crypt top billing. Let's do. Top billing. This episode was suggested by our very own Ed Erdelak. This one I always remembered mainly from the promo uh, as a kid because uh, in the promo they always showed him standing behind the coat rack, Lovitz, and he's staring and he's sliding that like rope off the hanger and he's like, from this day forth, my thoughts be bloody, and I don't oh, know nothing worth. That was a pretty dope shot. Yeah, it's a cool shot, and I love the look in his eyes. Like you know, Lovitz isn't really thought of as an as a. I like when they when they cast people against type, especially like comedians and stuff. And to make John Lovitz like kind of menacing in that shot was like, man, I want to watch that. That looks cool. And I was way into Hamlet at the time because uh, I watched that Franco Zeffirelli Mel Gibson one, which they had a shout out to in the episode. Mel can play Hamlet because he's got the look. 
Um, so I was just, it was up my alley at the time and everything. So John Lovitz plays Barry and he's this struggling actor and he opens up, he goes into Sarah Bernhardt's office, um, coming towards her with a, with a rope to strangle her. And she's like, she's like, uh, she calls him Paul or something. And she's like, what are you doing here, Paul? Or something. And he's like, I've come to kill you, you bitch. Yeah, and, he, uh, and she goes, that's real good. Yeah. You did a real good job. And he's like th- th- gently throttling her neck, and he's not very good. He's kind of going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very funny looking. In true love it and, style. And um, it's, so it turns out it's the middle of an audition, and um, she tells him, uh, you know, you're very good. You're just not right for the part. You don't have the look. I need somebody tall and tan. First she says, I need somebody larger. And he's like, well, I could wear padding. And. She's like, no, I need somebody taller or larger with, and tan. And so he kind of stalks out into the hallway, and there's a whole line of, like, twerps Nerds. outside with their, with their ropes going over the line. I've come to kill you, bitch, and all this. And he goes home to his... Uh, well, before he uh, makes it to the elevator, who should he see but his old Tron. roommate and, ra- and rival. That's Tron? That's Tron. That's Bruce Boxleitner. Oh, yeah. Bruce Boxleitner. Really? Oh, yeah. Whoa, he looks way different in Tron Legacy. Also, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, I think he was in? He was in everything. And uh, damn good-looking man. He was yeah, a Babylon strapping 5. guy. Strapping He's the captain man. on Babylon 5. So Barry stalks out of the failed audition and sees a uh, scrawled ad for Actors wanted Hamlet, so he tears one off, and he runs into a week. and he runs into a, a Bruce Boxleitner, who is his old roommate and uh, acting colleague, and clearly this guy is like rocking a sweet leather jacket. He's tall, tan, uh, capped teeth, frosted hair. I love like the, a million bucks. I love the line where he asks him, "Hey, remember that rat hole we used to live in?" He's like, "Yes, I still live there." <laughs> and so Barry's all bummed out because he still lives in the rat hole with <laughs> his girl, his loving girlfriend, and uh, Victoria he, Jackson. He has uh, stuck to you know the artiste life of acting, and he's you know essentially unemployed. Whereas Barry, who has the look, he's got the face. Um, he has gone on to do commercials and other lucrative things, and uh, they kind of spar. With um, uh, Barry really just kind of being ruthless, and uh, Bruce Boxleitner kind of being pretty jovial, and was like, "Ah, you can't still be mad at me. Come on, we're you know we're, we're here to work. We're we're here to sell tickets. We're not here to be suffering artists." So they go their separate ways. He goes to his agent's office and demands that she get him the part in Louise Hamlet. N- Nurse Ratchet from Nurse Ratchet. And um, predictably, she she dumps him as a client, and uh, he tells him to get. I I I told you to get plastic surgery or something. Yeah, she wanted him to get the look. <laughs> the look. She's like, you don't have the face, you don't have the look. And Tron told him to get blue contacts or something too. I remember. Yeah, and uh, so you know, every time he's getting rejected, this kind of seething rage is building, <laughs> even though he's sort of a milk toast, nebbishy guy. Love it. Yeah, the Lovitz rage is kind of boiling over. <laughs> so he swears he's going to get this job uh, as Hamlet and shove his reviews at $250 a week down her throat. Right. So he goes home to his apartment, and 
he has to go up the stairs because someone's loading all this furniture and they're moving and on the he's elevator, in the elevator. Yeah. And it turns out it's his furniture. <laughs> he's being evicted. Uh, and his girlfriend is dumping him for Bruno from acting class. They're taking all their things. Uh, she left him chicken in the oven, but all the guys moving out <laughs> have a chicken leg. Have, are taking chicken legs. And, eating the chicken. and then he gets locked out of his place. Yeah, can't even get in there. And he gets called a loser. Twice. So the next thing we see is he's wandering down this long, trash-choked alley yeah. in the middle of nowhere trying to find this theater. And when he gets there, there's a guy banging on the door to no response, and it's his old acting rival, Bruce Boxleitner. Yeah. And he's like, Trump what are you doing here for Hamlet? He said, well, I was going to come down here and audition and show you that it's about how you look. It's not about talent. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think it was kind of tough love. Like, he wanted to say... Maybe at first. I don't know. Like, if, if I am able to take the role of Hamlet from you, will you finally get off unemployment, change your look, and commit to, you know, the commercial side of the business? Because I want you to, you know, grow up and be a working actor. Finally, the door opens, and this very strange, porny, pervy character... Mr. Bentley out. from the Jeffersons. Mr. Bentley from the Jeffersons. And, uh... Oh, weird. That actor played the judge in the Adams Family movie? Yes. Oh, yeah, he did. And Mr. Gomez. And, and then <laughs> a couple... Gomez. A couple... And another scene later, uh... John Aston, the original... Uh, weird. Charles, Mr. So Adams they're led they're led into this theater where, uh... There's rehearsals for Hamlet. And there's a very poor... Hamlet type uh, who looks like the guy from Tears for Fears and uh, he's reciting the uh, classic alas poor Yorick scene with a plastic skull and he's just not into it he doesn't like the plastic skull and the director is freaking the fuck out on him um, about acting and not being able to commit to the plastic skull And uh, the actor is none other than Gomez Adams. Yeah. And he has like a drawn on mustache and like a, a bad uh, wig, a genie hat, and <laughs> just bad wigs and bad mustaches and <laughs> bad scarves and clothing for days. Lovitz and Boxleitner are kind of there jockeying for the role of Hamlet. And he makes a snap decision and he decides to cast Bruce Boxleitner because he has the look. High cheekbones. He, he has the high cheekbones. He might be Danish. <laughs> so he does mention his frosted tips, though. Yeah, his frosted hair. Bruce Boxleitner is delighted and is kind of like in your face, John Lovitz. I told <laughs> you it's all about having the look. John Lovitz is really boiling over with rage at this point. <laughs> so he sneaks into Bruce Boxleitner's dressing room. And uh, Bruce Boxleitner is changing into his outfit, and he reaches back and he pulls out a tag, and he's like, "What the hell?" And about that time, John Lovett's kind of recreating Hamlet's indecisive murderer, um, kind of 
busts out and they have an argument that ends in him strangling his rival, <laughs> Bruce Boxleitner, like he couldn't strangle the casting agent in the first scene. Dead for a ducket. It's from Hamlet, you idiot. <laughs> so he kills Bruce Boxleitner and he hides his body in this sort of uh, storage closet. And there's like a locked door and there's a phone ringing off the hook in the and other they, room. they go through the keyhole and there's a guy kind of like sitting over a desk, but he shows no reaction to the phone and everything. Right. And there's blood smudged on the doorknob. Right. So they go back to the theater production and John Lovitz comes out and says, the other guy left. It was the worst case of stage fright I'd ever seen. He was blue. <laughs> he's gone all blue. So he was, he's hamming it up and eventually uh, Gomez Adams set, decides that he'll be okay for the part. Um, you know, they just got to change their vision a little bit. So John Lovitz is all happy. He goes to his dressing room and he's changing. And he's, he's like, he's going over the lines and he, he for a minute, he busts into the, 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 the accent that he does on SNL when he's playing the actor. He, he's picking the tights out of his butt and he's awful. <laughs> just funny. But, uh, so then they come in. The director, the stage manager and, and the kid that was playing the, the awful hamlet kid from tears for fears comes in and they're like yeah we're we're ready to go he's like i haven't even rehearsed yet and they're like oh you don't need to rehearse and he's like but i'm hamlet they're like who told you you were hamlet yeah the kid is like don't you really remember i'm hamlet and he's like i'm hamlet <laughs> and he's like well what role am i playing and he's like didn't you label the costume he's like aha creepy guy picks up the label and it says yorick <laughs> so he's been cast as the the skull, and um, so John Lovitz goes, "You're all mad." And um, Gomez Mr. goes, "Mad." <laughs> and the one guy holds up a. He's like, "Just put this on," and it's a sack, and the, the bottom half of the sack is just like severed and just, bloody. Yeah, like soaked in old blood and everything. Because people, he's like, "We keep having trouble casting York because people keep stealing the skull or something." So, so Lovitz runs. Yeah. And he uh, fumble. He locks them into one room. And he goes back to the room with the bloody uh, with the keyhole that we saw through before. And he fumbles with the keys and he gets it open. And he busts in. And there's uh, the guy slumped over the the table. And he turns him around in his swivel chair. And the guy's throat has been cut. And he's been dead for a while. Like he's gray, you know. And then uh, so it turns out that he's in the this like re- what like a ward for the criminally insane. Yeah, a home like for a, the criminally insane, and an all the for the criminally insane. All the orderlies and the security guards are lying out in the hallways, just all with their throats slashed and everything. Every window splashed with blood. <laughs> yeah. By then, the uh, the director and crew bust in with an axe, and they hack off his head. And in short order, we see Hamlet performing his scene with uh, with a bloody, a fleshy, bloody skull, with one eyeball in it, with one eyeball in it. <laughs> And then you think that's going to be the end. And then they move out into the alleyway As where the, cops are the pulling police are, are stacking up, pulling out their machine guns, getting ready to storm the uh, Institute for the Criminally Insane. And then we move past that into the garbage where we see a hollowed out face of John Lovitz. <laughs> and then a dog comes up and just <laughs> makes off with it. his face. <laughs> the end. Ah, so great. So Ryan, what did you think of Tales from the Crypt top billing? 
I have many issues with this episode of Tales from the Crypt Top Billing. Go for it. Starring John Lovitz. My aforementioned poor acting. Wait, of Lovitz? Of Lovitz. Well, but he's supposed to be kind of bad, I think. No. As I've explained, he's supposed to be good. Okay. Because he's the one who takes it seriously. I don't know why having frosted hair would make your skull good for the part of Yurik. I don't know how a bunch of criminally insane people wandered around town putting up flyers to cast Hamlet. I did think about that when I was watching it. <laughs> as, as did I. I made a note about that. That's possibly the one plot hole. The only. Yeah. We don't know how long the inmates have had taken over the Enough asylum. for the blood yeah. to congeal on all those bodies. A week or yeah. so, at least. Maybe so, two weeks. And when the phone... Enough when to make Lovitz props and costumes... Phone, Lovitz picks up the phone when it's ringing the second time when they're about to get him, and somebody's calling, for like, I've been calling for hours for the doctor. Or something. Mm. So, and I don't know why you'd need to make a full costume if you're just going to chop off York's head. Well, those are crazy people. No, they're just That's nuts. true. They yeah. are crazy. Uh, I feel like you're nitpicking. They are crazy This people. episode was amazing. I like how it goes. It looks like you, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be straight up he's going to kill him. It's, it's in the promo, you know? And then, like, it takes this weird-ass turn. It was such a good turn, and it was a tonal shift. Yeah. Because uh, Gomez and and the theater people are hamming it up so hard. I was like, am I watching Goosebumps or yeah. Tales from the Crypt? Yeah. They seem, it seems like a kid show for a minute. Right. You know? But then you have this, this twist at the very, very end that recontextualizes all the over-the-top, like, hijinks. They're like, oh, no, no, these people are insane. Yeah, they're not and just being actors. They've been hitting you over the head with this people. the entire episode. True, true. Like when he pulls the uh, hastily scrawled uh, actor wanted for Hamlet thing, Bruce Boxleiner is like, what kind of theater would be in that part of town? Yeah. And then he goes down the creepy alleyway and he's banging on the door and it doesn't look like a theater. It takes forever. They do have a stage, however. They do have a stage, which is funny. But, you know, the, the phone kind of just ringing nonstop in mm-hmm. the background is really unsettling. Mm-hmm. The music kind of throughout is, is reggae, which I thought was a really <laughs> weird choice. Steel drums, yeah. Except it's, it's, all this, it's all this, like, weird, discordant, throw-you-off-your-balance, like, this is all light and, mm-hmm. and wacky. Like, look at this poor schlub. yeah. Until you see, you know, all the orderlies lying (laughs) slaughtered in heaps and the windows splash with blood. That was really good. I mean, that's like that vertiginous horror, like, oh, shit. I thought Lovitz was going to cut off the other dude's face. Oh, shit. Because they were like, you don't have the face, you don't have the face. Mm -hmm. But no, they zigged. Yeah, <laughs> he ended up being even the at the head. end. He does not have the face. Yeah, they kind of and the fa- his face is for the dogs. Yeah, I liked um, that both the actors in it, uh, Barry Bly and Bruce Boxleitner, were terrible people in their own way, but the protagonist was actually worse because he was a murderer. Yep, uh, and they both got punished. Mm-hmm. In their in their vainglorious competition, and mm-hmm. Bruce Boxleitner maybe walked away. He didn't strangle him for that long. He could have just passed out. I didn't hear uh, a snap. He 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 strangled him and then stripped him, and threw him in a laundry basket. I think he was dead. Oh, yeah. stripping adds extra kill. Well, I think if he was trying to kill him and he had the time to strip him and he didn't wake up then, perhaps no. maybe he was just playing so that he could escape. Yeah, come on, Tron, you got to get out of there. No. 
Man, you're got derailed. No, I, I also all over this episode. Tales I agree that crypt, this is a very good whoo, episode. That leprechaun shit. Just, <laughs> I agree you have a free that. Pass to I agree that this is it. a very good episode. But my one um, pet peeve for all of these scary tales is that it all takes place in broad daylight. I hate that. It's, I hard, it's that, real hard to give spooky atmosphere in broad daylight. I always found that more unsettling, personally. Like the first thing that ever really scared me was The Exorcist. When um, I walked in on it, and it was that scene where her head turns around, and that's, that scene is happening in, in broad daylight. And uh, the furniture's flying around and all this, and that freaked the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Because yeah. I, I'm used yeah, to, yeah, I, suppose. I was used to horror being in the dark, you know? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't Doesn't know do that this was me. horrible. Like, I don't know that Tales from the Crypt scares me, but uh, I don't have a problem I, with it being in the we, daylight. We've talked about this so far in, on the podcast, which is... Tales from the Crypt starts with the Crypt Keeper who's making jokes mm-hmm. and wry little asides and, and puns. I'm so, late for my beating. Yeah. So it, it tells you it's not trying to be scary. It's all kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's mm. really about tits, and it's about like John ironic yeah, morality tit. plays. It's very rarely about monsters and demons or yeah. ghosts. It's almost always about greedy humans or lustful humans getting their come up and getting their come up mm-hmm. fine could still take place at night <laughs> all right let's get into our ratings so for the tale of Jake and the leprechaun scare factor when you're a kid and he turns into a devil goblin it's kind of scary and when they're trapped under his bed yeah, that's a good scene. I was going to say, when he takes the shirt off and he has that huge patch of awful hair on his back, that's uh, pretty creepy. For sure, that was the most disturbing also, scene. What, yeah. Also, gross factor. So, they were one fart away from that being a, just classic. <laughs> so, a little bit scary, a little bit gross. Okay, yeah. what the fact? Only mostly a little bit. I feel like they were all over the shop with that Irish mythology. Well, certainly, but it wasn't. Um, it was. It was fairly straightforward. Where some of the episodes have been really in, impossible to predict. Didn't have any of those wild right turns no, that no. other episodes have had. No, so pretty, pretty low. Straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Okay, the theme of acting. Vink factor at least fifty percent though. Aaron was like fifty percent Vink. No, he was gross. He wasn't a ghost or a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Big uh, factor zero. Theme, I would say 100 points. 100 points, really? A little light on the theme, it was, I think. So it was all about the acting and theater. It was theater. not all about acting. No, it was it, set in the theater. It was all about um, a banshee that wants to turn a kid into a yeah, frog so took, he can have but it was a soul. A, it was a play within a sh- It was, it was it about w- the theater. I mean, you can't get much more. Okay, 95%. It took place wrong. in a theater. Just because you didn't talk about acting 12,000 times. It was the power struggle between a leprechaun and a banshee. Yeah, which took place in a theater a in the subtext banshee. of a play. I feel like acting had little to nothing to do nah, with it. You <laughs> can't. You guys. Yeah. You always uh, get like, down on my themes. There was one line where he said, uh, do you think I'm, I could be any good or something like that? And. Yeah. And that's about that, it was where it stopped right being about acting. He was right turning into a, and rightfully so. Once you start turning into into a changeling, you don't think about your acting anymore. Mm. Well, and Aaron talked to him about Aaron talked to him 
constantly about you've got to let go and the theater is 100 years old as old as I am and when you feel the glamour you just got to roll with it they, that's they, acting they dumped all of that in the first two minutes untrue no 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 every single dress rehearsal Aaron's telling him about the craft of acting and letting go they spend and more time it. naming herbs than they did talking about acting disagree Jake Joyce wanted to be an actor more than anything else what's that stuff Aaron's always drinking Herbal tea. He says it helps him be creative. You think that stuff would help me? I'm not doing so hard. You've got to let yourself go. What's happening to you now is the stuff of genius. Trust me. You have the gift, boy. Use it. Maybe I'm just nervous about the play. But it's a play. It's not real. That's the oath you've been taking during the play. Sounds like a line from our play. When did you say this play of yours is? Look at this place. Over a hundred years old. Shut your eyes. Feel the magic of the stage, the power of the theater. Let it transport you into another realm and make you into a magician. How do they uh, get to opening night, too, without ever completing that scene <laughs> in their run-throughs? <laughs> because it was all an elaborate ruse we didn't see, to yeah, turn we didn't a boy into it. a frog so he could get his soul. Because he's a banshee. Yeah. So, Tales from the Crypt... Normally, we've adopted shock factor instead of scare factor, mm. but I think there was some scare factor in that episode. That uh, that last twist at the end, where everybody's a psycho and every and everybody sane is dead, and he's he's there by himself, and he's trapped inside, yeah, and you realize good. that they've been broadcasting it the whole time. Yeah, and, and then they one up it with the face at the end, kind of getting dragged off by the dog, which I guess is more humorous. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I would say. Scare factor, high. Gross factor, pretty high. Yeah. You had the yeah, John Lovitz is pretty skull, gross. John Lovitz's hollowed out face. Yeah, with, no, with uh, one eye still in it. and the Like the skull had one eye, and then when they cut to his face, it's, you know, there's one eye still that was so like, hanging knew. in the face. I would say gross factor, high. What the factor, that, that twist was very, very shocking. Did not see that coming. Interesting story. I'm glad you liked that one. I like that one. (laughs) I once performed in a play where uh, a man went to visit an insane asylum. And he was touring around and the the, um, workers were, you know, telling him about the patients and the history of the place and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, it turned out that they were all insane inmates Mm-hmm. And we all murdered him at the end. Hmm. Same sort of like that thing. Star Trek episode. Sort or of like Shutter Island? This. <laughs> um, here's thing. an interesting story. Oh, go ahead. Finish, finish the rating, yeah. Theme. Theme of acting. acting. Pretty high, dude. So high. Sure, yeah. That's so all I was talking about. So much higher. Was acting. Yeah. Acting. So, Ryan. Well, they certainly talked about acting more, yeah. but I still think you're giving short shrift. To the craft that was discussed in the tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. Scare factor, Tales from the Crypt takes it. Gross factor, Tales from the Crypt takes it. What the factor, Tales from the Crypt takes it. Theme, acting, Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm just sitting here to that is recommend something that blows away for four. <laughs> Tales from the Crypt crushes. Sure, fine. Are you afraid of the dark? Put up your spoons. No, I'll never admit this defeat. Never! Never! Uh, here's yours int- be mine and mine be yours. An interesting side story about Yorick uh, the Skull. There was a uh, 
a famous improv group in Chicago called um, Second City, and one of the main teachers of that was a guy named Del Close, and uh, my buddy uh, used to act at Second City and knew Del Close and everything, and he was there the year he died, and he uh, supposedly donated his skull to play Yorick at the theater in Chicago, like from then on or something. Gross. Yeah, interesting. Well, like Del Gross. Yeah. Famous guy, though. Taught Dan Aykroyd and, like, everybody you could think of that came from Chicago was an improv guy. Special thanks to Jonathan Olson for composing our theme music. You can email him at Stepwise Studios to get your own electronic and synth pop songs. Do you have any uh, post-episode goofs? Recite from memory Hamlet's soliloquy. Alas, poor Yorick, I knew him, Horatio, a fellow of infinite jest and most excellent fancy. He hath borne me on his back a thousand times. Now, how abhorred in my imagination it is. Here hung those lips I kissed, I know not how often. Where be your jibes now, your ambles, your songs, your fits of merriment that were wont to set the table on a raw? Not one now to mock your own grinning. Hey, my voice is changing. What's happening, guys? I don't like it. Rerun for your life! Mike, bro. Tell it to yourself. <laughs>